Natalie. Welcome back to Becoming a Master of Performing Under Pressure. I'm here with Colin. And today we're going to try to put a nice, neat bow on some things before we get to the final episode, determining what makes you a master of performing under pressure. But today we really want to talk about the reality of pressure and this concept of pressure being a privilege. And I want to start out with a quote that is from one of my favorite books for athletes. It's called Mind Gym by Gary Mack and David Cass Stevens. And basically they describe it as an athlete's guide to inner excellence. And they have this entire chapter dedicated in the book. I mean, it's only four pages, but it's still very impressive. (laughs) And it's called The Pressure Principle. And the first quote kind of kicking off the chapter says that, Under pressure, you can perform 15% better or worse by Scott Hamilton. And they say throughout the chapter that your goal as an athlete should be to learn to view pressure as a challenge to meet rather than a threat of defeat. So also kind of working alongside with us in defending pressure and giving it a good rep. (laughs) And basically, I just wanted to kick off the episode with that quote because just as it says under pressure, you can perform 15% better or worse. And we're going to talk about both sides of that spectrum today and how they actually play out in practice. So I want to kind of start with the reality of pressure and coming back to this topic of pressure and mental health. And I talked about in um, a couple episodes, the difference of mental toughness versus mental health, where I've had this conversation with a lot of athletes, a lot of coaches, the difference between pushing yourself to somewhere you've never been before for the sake of becoming a better athlete and performer versus actually having issues with your mental health and struggling. So for example, if you're doing a super hard run and you're like, I don't think I can do this lap, getting through that extra lap is an example of mental toughness. Whereas that runs not necessarily hurting your mental health, but it's really pushing you to like peel away at that extra layer. And we have talked about how you cannot truly be a master of performing under pressure until you are in a good place with your mental health. So what happens when you're not in a good mental place and you're receiving extra pressure? So let's say you're already not doing great mentally. You're receiving this extra pressure, whether it's externally, internally from coaches, from teammates, And how are you kind of coping with that when you can't necessarily escape it? So what comes to mind for me is you're a student athlete. You could be struggling with your mental health, but you're required every single day to show up to practice where coaches might be putting pressure on you. Student athletes might be putting pressure on you, your teammates, your professors, your athletic director, where you're in a situation where you can't quit. I mean, you can, but (laughs) ideally you stick it out. And how are you finding a healthy balance between coping with your mental health struggles and being able to tackle that extra pressure. And I kind of created a list of effective ways to cope with pressure. And I definitely got a lot of inspiration from the student athletes that were amazing enough to share their responses, which I'm so grateful for. And something I've always talked about is preparation. So a lot of times you can't cope with pressure in the moment. It's just something that encompasses you and it takes the reins. But if you know that you're doing the work on the forefront and preparing as much as you can, when you get to that moment, you know that there was nothing more that you could do to perform better than you are in this moment. So that's what I always say. I get my confidence from my preparation. So by the time the game comes, I'm not going to be able to change whether I 
can shoot a sick goal or make a great move around a defender. I've done everything I can do, and I just kind of have to let it play its course. The second method, which is something that you can do while you are experiencing that pressure and in that pressure situation is breathing techniques and breathing exercises. And I've always said, <laughs> we had a sports psychologist who taught us a square breath where you breathe in for four, hold for four, release for four, hold for four. And I was like, well, I'm out of breath. I can't hold my <laughs> breath during a game. Like, how am I supposed to like breathe heavy sprint, hold my breath. Like I just never really understood breath work in sports. And I realized that all it takes is literally a breath through the nose and out your mouth. And that's all you need. You don't need 16 seconds to do a square breath. You don't need a huge significant, like crossing your legs, laying on the field, yoga style, breathing, like deep breaths. All you really need is that one breath to kind of reset and get your head in a good place. And then the third thing I have written down is meditation. And obviously this is something that happens before the moment of pressure. If you meditate during the game, I'm not sure how that would go, but basically what you want to do is take a couple minutes every single day to just be present. I think something that comes with pressure is assuming the worst or looking towards the future or not thinking you've done enough in your past for the moment that you're going to have to conquer. And if you're just in your present moment, you realize everything right now is okay. Everything's good, but I don't need to have to constantly be thinking about that next step. And then this is one that I kind of want to talk about with Colin is having healthy conversations with the people who are providing pressure or just having conversations with friends, family, therapists, and just talking about what you're feeling and why. And when Colin asked me to do this, I was obviously more than happy to. And I thought that the most I would get out of it is just talking and being on a podcast. And in reality, this has helped me like so much with dealing with my own personal pressure that I feel just by speaking it out and being able to articulate it and express it and know that I'm speaking to someone who's listening, whether that's you, the listeners or Colin on the other side of the screen. But I think something that do does need to happen with pressure is this destigmatization of the conversations being awkward or uncomfortable or revealing a weakness. And pressure is a normal thing that everyone experiences every day. There's no harm in having conversations about it. And I don't know if you have anything to add with that point, Colin. Yeah, <laughs> I, have a, I have a lot to add. <laughs> okay, <great>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so many aspects that you just lift, listed off there are amazing. You have 15% better or worse. That is a mind-blowing stat. I mean, right. to think that that is how, and this is and probably why we're doing this podcast, right? Because we've seen it on the negative side probably more often than not how it is such a detriment to what we're trying to accomplish. And so that's why we're trying to work so hard to provide all this information in these podcasts to help you, to help me, to help the listeners say we can be 15% better if we use, you know, some of these methods or a combination of them or whatever it is. So I thought that was a really interesting way to start the episode, but I think to your last point, talking things out, just speaking for a regular guy here, a jock. And it's, you know, something that, you know, if we, if Natalie, if you and I knew each other 10 years ago and podcasting was 
still in it where it is today and the ability to do it was there. I don't know that we're necessarily having this conversation because I'm a guy and guys aren't supposed to talk about anything related to feelings or to feeling doubt, you know, especially, and you're supposed to internalize all of that and use it as motivation and, and all this junk that, you know, we were fed all our lives, but we live in a different world and things are starting to progress to the place where it doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your situation is. It's okay, usually, to have conversations. And I think what the, the biggest thing that you pointing this out is saying to me is, whether you're on a sports team or you're in work or you're in your family, the sign of a healthy family, the sign of a healthy workplace, the sign of a healthy team culture is when you can talk about things openly, without fear, and without feeling like you are letting people down or you have this guilt, you should be able to talk about any type of fears that you have, any type of doubt that you, sh- you have. You should be able to talk about any type of disagreements that you have. Do it in a thoughtful, respectful way, obviously. But you know, I think the being able to have conversations around all of these difficult aspects of what pressure brings on a day-to-day basis That's the number one sign of, are you in a healthy program? And if you're not, you know, it's unfortunate that that's the easiest thing to say about it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody on your team won't be receptive to you reaching out and to having a conversation. So if you feel like you're in a bad spot right now, because you're afraid of what your coach might do, you might get benched, you might you know, get fired, you might um, alienate a family member, whatever the situation is, there's probably somebody within that circle that we're talking about of those three different scenarios. But when you're in a healthy program, like that type of communication and that ability to be open with each other, like that is, that's the easiest thing that you can do to relieve the pressures of the day to day. Like we're not talking about like, you know, gabbing and drama and, you know, just talking to talk. We're talking about having legitimate conversations and working through problems and working through challenges because a lot of times the pressure comes because we're trying to overcome a challenge, right? I mean, you, you said it earlier, it's, the, it's a challenge to meet, not a situation to be defeated. And so, you know, it's necessary to talk. And I think it's a really great highlight to say what's a healthy culture, what's a healthy program and what's not. Yeah. And I think something that's important to add is if you're not in a healthy program or a healthy team, whatever that may look like to you, you're not stuck because I have been on teams where this was not necessarily accepted. You didn't talk about your emotions. The field was not a place to bring that up. You were there to play your sport, perform, see ya. And that was it. And I felt lonely because I was like, am I the only one who's feeling that this is not right? Or something? <laughs> is it me? Is it the team? Is it the coach? Like, what is the situation? And the biggest thing I learned is you need to lean on those people who there is always someone who is thinking at least something similar to you if it's not right. sitting right with you. And right. you just have to go out and be brave enough to say, hey, was that really weird at practice today? And then someone will be like, yeah, that really was. And then there you go. Like 
that like awkward kind of first layer that you have to peel is gone. And if you can't find that on your team, I encourage people to go out and talk to your family about it. Obviously it's not the same, but talk to your friends, talk to someone, listen to a podcast, go for a walk and respond to us as if we're talking to you. Like there are many ways where you can articulate your thoughts and feelings without feeling like you will be penalized for it. And if you're in a culture in a place where that's not possible for you right now, one, find your people and two, like speak up. That's so much easier said than done, but you do have the power to be able to change that culture and say, I bet you, if you said, Hey, this culture's kind of crappy, someone else would stand by your side and agree. So it's just the first hard step of saying it out loud. And once you do, you will be shocked by how many people follow your lead. Yeah. Uh, Can I interject real quick? Please do. So one of the other really cool things that you talked about is the breathing and slowing things down. And I mean, isn't that that at the core of what we've been talking about this whole time? Like usually we're talking about preparation, slowing the game down for you. The more you're prepared for these pressure situations, the more it's going to seem like you can quote unquote, go through the motions. I know that's not exactly what, what we're trying to convey here, but I can't think of a better phrase, but you know, sometimes like I'm thinking of, uh, okay, so I'll give you a baseball example because this is my sport. A uh, closer's job is to get three outs, usually in the ninth inning of a baseball game. Th- that closer can be the best closer in all of baseball, but it doesn't mean that they're going to get three outs consecutively every single time that they come into a game. They may get the first two outs, and then the bases are loaded, and it's like, okay, this is where like breathing comes in and say like you see it all the time. You see athletes like take that deep breath. They're slowing the game down. They're getting back their level setting and getting back to the game speed that they can perform their best at. So when you had said the breathing technique, I just wanted to point out that it, it should be a technique used to slow things down as much as it could be to calm your anxiety and to um, you know get get through these tough moments. It's all connected and. Um, I, th- I just thought that was a really cool point to talk about too. Yes, absolutely. And kind of going off of that in this book, in this chapter, it says you can tell when your body is under pressure, when you're tense and you're trying to get something done as fast as possible. And <laughs> why example, what literally came to my head is my freshman year preseason, our coach brought us to a high ropes course for like some team bonding thing. And it was I'm terrified of heights. I hated it. I was a freshman. I didn't know anyone. It was just, I could not have hated it more. But the whole thing was you had to hold your teammates' hands and get through it together and wait for the slowest person to go. I literally like shut my eyes and booked it across this bridge or whatever it was. I was like, see ya. I'm getting through this and I'm standing on the other side, which looking back, I was mortified and terrified but if I probably had forced myself to take that breath and slow myself down make my hands not as tense make sure my fists are not balled up ready to like attack someone I was literally in like like kill mode I was just not having it that day but if you force yourself to have that extra second take a deep breath and you're not slowing down the game around you. You're I'm not slowing down the actual course. I'm not making it any shorter, but I'm making it easier for myself to cope with by 
taking that extra moment for myself and being aware of what is my body feeling? What is my mind feeling? What does it need right now? And kind of going off of breathing is another one I have written down is visualization. And this is a really, really valuable tool that I think goes kind of unnoticed in the sports world because it is really fascinating, the data and the science behind visualizing and the power that if you sit in the locker room for 10 minutes visualizing a goal you're going to score and how you're going to do it, how much more likely that is to occur. So I think it's different for everyone. I think some of these things take it or leave it because I think we all know what works best for us at this point, but visualizing is something to definitely look into whether that's during the warm-up or the night before when you're putting your head on your pillow, just little things that you can visualize that you want to see yourself doing tomorrow or not see yourself doing tomorrow. Um, and then the next thing I have is breaking it all down, making a list, setting smaller and more achievable goals. So instead of saying, all right, today I'm going to score this goal. First, receive the ball, then move your feet, then beat a defender, then find a good pass and focus on those small little puzzle pieces to get to your big pressure moment. Because I think a lot of times something I do in field hockey is I'm on to the next pass before I even have the ball in my hands. And then I'm not receiving the ball because I'm going on to the next thinking of what's ahead. And you really have to force yourself to be present because part of sports is being prepared for that extra moment, knowing where you want that pass to go before you're receiving the ball, but you have to actually do it first before you go on to that next step. So breaking it down is definitely helpful. And then kind of in that same spirit is celebrating the small successes and being confident. And the reality is, is that you are mastering pressure all the time. We just don't even know it and recognize it because it's just in the daily ebbs and flows of our lives where we're just witnessing one pressure situation, conquering that and moving on to the next. And we really don't give it that much thought because that's how often these pressure situations happen in our world. So above all pressure is a mindset and becoming a master of performing under pressure, I think is more mental than anything physical. So being able to be confident and conquering that is huge. Um, I'm going to jump in real quick again. So I'm going to reiterate it. I've already said it. I say it on my other podcasts all the time. It's one of my favorite quotes is from Joe Torrey, take it small bites, one run at a time. I always think about that when I'm like, all right, we're down eight runs. Can't hit an eight run homer. How are we going to come back one run at a time? The aspect two of trying to rush, you know, trying to um, do something before you've completed another task my story with this, I was a freshman in college. I had made, I think like one error the entire season in the field at shortstop or in a playoff game, uh, first round or whatever it was. And the first batter of the game uh, was a pop-up to shallow uh, left, left center. And I lost it in the sun and it just fell right to the ground. And I was like, all right, crap. <laughs> so they got the first runner on next pitch, tailor-made ground ball hit right to me to turn a double play. And instead of immediately when it's hit to me, my eyes and my mind are like, let's turn this as quick as possible. Make up for the, the error. There's no runners on I'm, I'm off the hook and everything. And I was trying to go so fast that I booted the ball 
and two pitches. I had made two errors. <laughs> we ended up losing the game like three to two. Two of those runs scored that inning. So they were unearned and yeah, just felt horrible. And it was all because I just tried to rush through my performance. I didn't trust my training. I didn't trust my preparation. I let one thing, one small thing got me off track. Like that's how quick it can happen. That, that ball that just dropped in where I lost it in the sun and I was frustrated, like it all just built up and then I, it could have been over the next pitch. All I had to do was field it cleanly, flip it to my second baseman. We would have had double play going. Um, and so I think that's another good reminder of, you know, why we, why we want people to prepare because sometimes it won't work out and that's okay. But um, the more we can prepare for pressure situations, I think the better ultimately that we're going to fare. Absolutely. And I think kind of bringing that away from sports like I think we all can relate to those days where we wake up and drop our bowl of cereal and for some reason that is the catalyst of the worst day ever and you're like I don't have a 4.0 GPA I don't know what I'm doing I don't have a career path like it is so easy to let that one little thing whether it's an error in a baseball game or dropping your cereal on the ground be like the ticking time bomb for everything else. And if you just after that first moment, catch it right there, take a deep breath, recenter yourself and don't let it spiral out of control. Like this can be applied to so many things in life. I just, there are so many moments that I have where something so minuscule completely set off a complete breakdown for me that was not warranted at all, but because I didn't catch myself right there, it just got out of control. And that's the same way with pressure where we have to be aware of that first moment and really tackle it right there or it'll be bad. <laughs> yeah. So kind of changing gears here a little bit. I want to talk about this phrase that we have said so, so, so many times, pressure is a privilege. And Colin and I were both laughing because we talked about this. And now that we've done this podcast, we're seeing this line everywhere. I don't know if our phones are listening to us or what's going on, but I swear I see it 10 times every day now. But something I was thinking about is like sports would simply not exist without pressure. And this idea of competition and competitiveness and being the best athlete you can be, being a good teammate, performing under this pressure in the spotlight would not exist without the sole concept of pressure. And Colin has a really cool tweet from the NBA finals that kind of tie in with all of this. Yeah. Uh, I was just on my phone. I think it was before game five, maybe of the NBA finals, which is now over by this point and definitely over by the time people listen to this episode. But um, one of the beat reporters I follow in the NBA tweeted that Monty Williams, who was, is the coach for the Phoenix Suns said, Doc Rivers, another coach in the NBA recently sent him a text message saying pressure is a privilege. That was the text. And <laughs> he said, Monty followed it up. I was joking with Natalie with this happening because she was at the beach. Uh, Monty Williams in reference to the pressure he feels said, you're not going to find greatness on the beach. And uh, <laughs> that was, that was just kind of a funny coincidence, but the point of me bringing up that, particular quote from those particular people is the NBA this is the highest of the highest levels of basketball right and you know we I think sometimes we feel like that athletes and coaches they're so cool under 
pressure all the time, right? Like we see them make these miraculous plays and these amazing dunks and the strategic decisions that help them win a championship as a coach, but they feel the same pressure that we do. Maybe they feel it at a higher level because it is an elevated stage, but they feel the same things. And, and to your point about sports being non-existent without pressure, I mean, it's right on. And I think it's the single reason why we have seen sports go from, you know, you think about, think about baseball, for example, back in the sixties or so, the average salary in major league baseball is like $60,000 or something like that. Now the average salary is millions of dollars. Some of that is due to union work, but really what we're talking about here is a very specialized industry that the best of the best are able to make it. And when they make it, they get compensated really well. But the reason they make it is because they can perform under pressure because they are always in pressured situations. And there are plenty of very specialized jobs in the corporate world, for example. But the level of pressure within organizations, at least in corporate America, from my experiences, doesn't quite match what you can get out of professional sports, Olympic sports, you know, whatever, even college sports, you know, sometimes college programs, I feel like, you know, your program, uh, Alabama football, like these guys and girls, you're, you're all working harder than 70% of Americans on a day-to-day basis getting paid, you know, $60,000 a year or whatever they're making. So um, I don't think that there's a, a surprise to me, at least in the correlation of why we see athletes, excel the way that they do why they get paid the amount of money that they do it's because they can handle the pressure it's because they work on it and i think if you take it back to most of us aren't the elite lebron james in the world whatever you're doing in your life if you take that type of work ethic though and you take that type of attitude you can become really really good and if it's money you want to make if it's glamour you want if it's just putting a roof over your family's head having a secure financial retirement, whatever your motivation is to be really good. Like what we're talking about in these podcasts is going to help you. Yes. And I think I really like the point that you brought up about the baseball salaries, which used to be $60,000 is now millions of dollars. And I think that's super on brand with what we were talking about is how pressure has increased from when you were playing generations ago to now. And even from when I was young, comparing it to my younger sisters who are now growing up in a very different world. And it's only been five, seven years. The level of pressure is constantly increasing. And I have parents in town come to me with their five-year-old kids who say, Hey, I'm paying you X amount an hour. I want you to make my kid a star. (laughs) And first of all, speaking of pressure, that's a lot of pressure on me. I don't, I make no guarantees, but never did that really exist when I was younger. And obviously this is location, money. There's a lot of factors to play into this, but just the social media piece alone has elevated the pressure that people are going through so much. So it is really interesting to think about. It would be really cool to almost do a study to say like, how has pressure changed for athletes competing 50 years ago compared to today and why, Um, which 
I don't have that much time to do, but maybe, maybe someone will out there. Um, Future podcast. And, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and so going back to why pressure is so necessary, we were talking about why pressure is necessary in practice last episode with our coaches episode. And we were, we kind of determined at the end of that episode that coaches would not know who to put out on the field without pressure, because if you just put your starting, whatever number it is out there, who are the best at mechanics, the best at skills, who knows how they're going to perform under the pressure of the game. Your best athlete could be sitting on the bench because they don't have the most technically sound skills. And they're the ones who are going to kick it into a next level gear under that pressure. And if pressure and the mental part of the game did not exist, some of the best competitors and athletes in the world would not have been given a chance if their skills were not up to par. And what I mean by that is you can be the most technically skill oriented player in the world, and you could not be able to perform under pressure. You could get to the game, but like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I can't make game time decisions. I'm one of those people who is 15% worse under pressure. And those people who may not have that incredible skill set, but who get 15% better under pressure are the ones who would have been in, ignored and took a back seat when in reality, they're the ones who are the game changers and the shakers in the world who really know how to turn it on when the moment comes. And I love that because it gives everyone an opportunity to be a successful athlete. You hear all these stories where people may not have the means or the funds to buy the right shoes to have all this equipment. But if you have that mindset, that like natural gift where you are just a competitor and someone who loves that aspect of pressure, you're going to be given a chance because that's the environment that makes you shine. And I love that because I think it goes to show that there's so much more to sports than what you're physically doing out on the field or how you're preparing or the means that you have or the funds that you have or the training that you may get. It's all ultimately, it comes down to if you're 15% better or 15% worse. And we all want to be in that better category, but the reality is some people are there and some people aren't. And if you're feeling pressure, ultimately you're in a position of power, whether you're the one who's trusted to score that goal, whether you're representing a team and a school, like just being recruited to represent a program and a name is a lot of pressure, but you're there for a reason because they think that you're a good fit. You are smart enough to be taking the MCAT or the LSAT, whatever is giving you that pressure. Ultimately, you're the one who worked to get there and you're in a position of power feeling that pressure because you have a gift. You're meant to be there for a reason. And you're capable enough to be up for a new job, to be up for a big job interview and opportunity. And at the end of the day, when you take a step back from this pressure and realize, how am I even in this situation in the first place? You will realize that a lot of that is your talent, your hard work, your commitment, and all the incredible things that you've done thus far that have gotten you to this point. And there's no reason those things cannot push you through this last pressure moment for sure. Yeah. How special is that to think about everything leading up to these final two episodes where we're putting bows on different things. And it's to say, okay, if you're in a pressure situation, this is what we mean that it's privileged. Like you've probably earned it. Like it's, I don't know that it's often that you get into a pressure situation and you're like, crap, I don't, I don't deserve to be here. Like what, what am I doing? I mean, there, there are exceptions obviously. And 
you know, different, <laughs> I guess, different pressures depending on what the situation is. But with the pressure that we're talking about, most of the time, I don't think it should come as a surprise when you are asked to do something on the field. And so I just think that that's beautifully said, Natalie. Like I, I wrote it right down here. Like you work to be in these pressured situations. It's, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else. It's great. <laughs> Don't steal my thunder. Just kidding. <laughs> but I think too, like I was recently nominated as a team captain. And at first I was like, not afraid, but I was like, this is a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure to have on my back. And then I took a step back and I was like, how am I here and why am I here? And who put me in this position? Was it me? No, it was my teammates and my coaches who thought I could fulfill this role. And I think that's also something that's important to recognize is if you don't have that confidence in yourself to be in that moment or that situation, someone does, whether that's a coach, whether that's a teammate, whether that's a professor, whether that's a boss, like Someone out there is putting you in that position for a reason. And you're not there for just shits and gigs. Like you're there to make a difference. And you were put in that situation because someone trusts you. And I love this too, because when you break it down, if you sat on the beach all day, or if you did nothing that challenged you, you would feel no pressure. I mean, if I kind of slid under the radar on my team and didn't speak up or didn't try to take advantage of leadership opportunities. I'm sure I would not be a captain and feel this pressure of this new captain role. If you really don't do anything that challenges you and the people around you, you really aren't living a life full of pressure. And that's a decision you have to make for yourself is if you're a go-getter and you want to go get what you want, a lot of times that comes with pressure and that's just inevitable. And so kind of going off of that too, is challenging yourself and therefore pressures, because I just said how challenging yourself results in feeling this pressure is how you break out of your comfort zone and grow as a human or as an athlete, a student, a friend, a teammate, whatever role you may be feeling. If you're saying in your comfort zone, you're not feeling pressure. Your comfort zone doesn't have a lot of pressure involved, but the second you break out of that, you're going to feel that pressure. And that's what's going to force you into a separate area of growth where you can really face these challenges and you can tackle them. And I think you'll be surprised what you end up tackling once you kind of break out of your comfort zone. And as I said earlier, if you're put in a pressure situation, someone trusts you to be there. And it doesn't matter who. <laughs> like, if you're in a pressure situation, you're like, I do not know who wants me here, but someone does. That's someone <laughs> lean into them. They believe in you for some reason. If you can't find that within yourself, lean on others to do that for you. And mastering pressure is hard. I don't know if there is a right answer, a wrong answer. I think it varies a little bit for everyone, but it can be one of the hardest and most rewarding aspects of being an athlete. And a quote I always come to when I'm going through something hard is that typically the hardest thing and the right thing are usually the same thing. And mastering pressure is not easy, but I think it is the right thing to do to elevate your game as an athlete or as a human. And it's really interesting how you can transform yourself as one of the athletes in the 15% better category with just working on this one mental piece. It's fascinating. And I write in all caps <laughs> that 
learn to use pressure as a privilege, see it as a gift, see it as fuel, learn to love the good and the bad of pressure. And by breaking down the stereotype of pressure, we're not saying it's going to be fun all the time. Honestly, it's probably going to be really, really hard to become a master of performing under pressure. And you might have some hard moments like, is this even worth it? (laughs) Like, what am I doing? And that's the thing, like, in a relationship, you don't just love them for the good things, you love them for the good and the bad. And you have to find that relationship with pressure as well. It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. And that's okay. You just have to learn to embrace the thorns and the roses and know that if it's not feeling too good, you're probably moving in the right direction. (laughs) I think, Natalie, you've done such a great job this episode, helping us you better understand, you better apply, I guess, a lot of what we learned, you know, maybe at the surface level or in theory through these first four episodes today. So I wanted to say, you know, first, thank you for taking the time to put together the outline for this episode and what we are going to do. And I think it's leading me into saying the next episode, our last episode of this series is going to be really great in terms of applying everything that we've learned up until this point. And I know it's going to take a little bit of work from both of us between now and when we actually record that episode. And I already have some ideas percolating in my brain, but next episode, we're going to answer the question, how you become a master of performing under pressure in a way that is digestible for everybody. So if you only listen to one episode and you listen to that last episode, you'll know how to do it but you'll get a lot more out of it if you listen to the other episodes too. (laughs) So I think we have a lot of exciting stuff coming in the next episode. And I don't know if you have anything to add before we wrap it up here, but just wanted to say that I thought the application piece to everything, that's, that's what's standing out to me. Most this episode is there's a lot of ways that we can take what we learned up to this point and now apply it to what we're actually doing. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I just, Kind of going to close by saying, I think next episode is definitely going to be a pivotal one. I think we're going to hit on the question we've been trying to answer all along. But I do think throughout this entire series, we do offer little bits and bits and pieces of how you do become a master of performing under pressure. I think next episode is going to be kind of tied up very neatly and more digestible. But throughout this series, we do give little tips and tricks without even really knowing it that... <laughs> are leading you toward your answer. And we can give as much advice and answer as we want, but I think the biggest thing is take what you want from this entire series. Take what you think is applicable to you. You know yourself best. You know how you perform under pressure. You know your pain points that you need to improve upon. And we can give you one solid answer that is based off of all of our research, but at the end of the day, interpret it the way that is most suitable for you and who you are as a person and an athlete. But I'm super excited to dig into that next episode. That'll be great. All righty. Well, this has been episode five, Becoming a Master of Performing Under Pressure. Again, I'm Colin signing off with Natalie, and we'll see you on the final episode.